you didn't see this one coming. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Stan, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? You you did um you you and Preeti did a piece on all the other horrific wars and refugee situations going on. Uh, for Tom Dispatch, what is it called? Suffering in the Shadows. You want to talk about that first? Uh, yes, I guess so. And, and we we sent this in um, just before uh, all hell broke loose uh, in Palestine. And so um, it's it's not about that, but there are um, yeah, there are some. Not, not parallels, but there, there maybe is some um, uh, relevant stuff. Um, we uh, we had previously written about um, Sudan, um, where um, yeah, you know this uh, civil war that broke out in, in April um, between <clears throat> excuse me these two um, uh, military leaders who had um, uh, taken over in a coup in 2021, and then turned on each other in April. Okay, that's what. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know a lot about Sudan, but my knowledge of Sudan ends around like 2006. I was looking, I looked really, and I know a lot about the history from like 1956 on, mm-hmm. and I know yeah. the war with the South and Darfur, but uh, yeah. this this coup, I, I didn't really pay much attention to, nor the what the RSF is, Reporters Without Borders. <laughs> no, no, yeah. not, not that. <laughs> Rapid yeah, support force. Yeah. Okay, so so there's some kind of conflict over power in the capital, basically, between different factions of the military? <clears throat> yes, and not just in, in the um, capital, also down in Darfur once again. Oh. There, there's... The paramilitary um, are pretty much taken over Darfur, and the um, non-Arab population is just uh, getting ignored of it again badly. And the Hollywood stars are not coming out this time like they did for Darfur last. Oh, weird. So, yeah, so weird. Um, it's weird. It's almost like when there's no invasion of Iraq to try to distract from Sudan is suddenly of less interest. Right. And so then we have um, just um, today uh, um, headline in Times of India, bodies litter streets as fighting intensifies in Sudan. So the in Khartoum, uh, where the, the fighting has been centered in Khartoum, and then down in the uh, in, in the western province of Darfur, but uh, apparently things have uh, blown up badly in Khartoum. We've had now uh, about 10,000 um, civilians have been killed in in this war, so um, not um, not too different from uh, the number of people uh, so far killed in in. Gaza, um, and there are seven million internally displaced, which is uh, the largest number of any country in the yeah, world. Yeah, Sudan. It's interesting because Sudan and and DRC, which you also mentioned in this article, are some of the biggest uh, internally displaced 
populations in, in the world. Right. right. And there um, 25 million uh, people are food insecure and a large share of those the World Food Program is saying they're on the it, it's on the brink of uh, famine at this point uh, and now refugees are flooding out of Sudan into South Sudan of all places and so they're saying that now they yeah, this thing could, could yeah. so it, it's um it's really um it's really tragic they're saying you know it, it's looking almost like another Yemen and so I uh, looking at you know, the, all this about how um, uh, humanitarian aid isn't um, getting into Gaza, I I kind of looked back to update the numbers I had about our humanitarian aid to uh, Sudan. And um, if you take the um, amount of, the, add the amount of, uh, humanitarian aid we've sent to Sudan in the past year um, and add the amount of humanitarian aid we've sent to Yemen, the, but those two added together uh, are not as much as the value of our arms sales to Saudi Arabia over the past year. <laughs> Never mind Saudi the package. <laughs> what was the 15 billion? Ban so since Israel started the genocide. I think they Biden announced another fifteen billion to Israel. I think. Oh, yeah, like yeah, dwarfs. Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, the um, yeah, the amount if they get that um, uh, it, it passed through Congress, then our um, aid to uh, Israel, military aid to Israel over this period will be about 120 times the amount of humanitarian aid to uh, Palestinians. But of course, Saudi Arabia, uh, both, both in Sudan, uh, both in the wars, both in Sudan and the ceasefire war in Yemen has played a very unhelpful role in, in both of those things. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're basically you know, selling them arms, uh, yeah. which, uh, and, and then some of those end up in and wars, and we take the, the the amount of money we get from that. It, it, it pays for the humanitarian aid that we. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I suppose. And I mean, with Yemen, yeah, like they they also blockaded Yemen. So you were talking yeah. about the the post war, I guess, post ceasefire uh, aid to Yemen, but of course, people have been starving in Yemen because of directly, like because of a direct blockade by Saudi Arabia. Right. And of course, the U.S. and blah blah blah. Yeah, there, there's something like uh, uh, seven, uh, half of the population of Yemen right now is food insecure, um, and they're receiving just 30% of the humanitarian um, aid that we had committed to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, there are these conferences and events where they announce how much aid the, the donor countries announce all the aid they're going to give. And then then it actually years later or however long later, it turns out they didn't give yeah. nearly that much. And then whatever they do give, a lot of it goes back to their own 
coffers and pay the salaries of their own NGOs and and uh, very little of it actually goes into anybody's mouth, much less. Um, you you mentioned you know it's interesting because you talk about Cong DR Congo, uh, yeah. where um you know and I also wrote a book about that war, um, and it's just re re erupted again in the east. It's another it's another Rwanda backed group, the M23. Yeah. And uh and these are all the US has a big footprint in all of these. You also mentioned Syria in this article. And it's interesting because I think Syria, Sudan, Yemen, they all still maybe, unless I'm wrong, have some form of US sanctions on them, don't they? Uh no well, Sudan they lifted okay. the sanctions in twenty nineteen when they supposedly were getting on to uh uh, developing a, a democratic government after um, Bashir got booted. But um, I, I think maybe we've, uh, yeah, we have now put sanctions at least on, on these two generals, but I don't think, um, I don't think there are on, on the country in aid or any, anything. I did a quick study of sanctions. The U- United Nations sanctions, my study turned up, the fact that the United Nations sanctions are actually much worse in humanitarian terms than the unilateral ones imposed by the U.S. because mm-hmm. much harder to, uh, I guess, get stuff mm-hmm. if the whole world is against you. Well, I saw an interesting uh, quote about this, the, the fact that even the aid has promised all these countries from not just the U.S., but from other countries that um, a lot of it isn't, uh, a large percentage isn't getting uh, to them. And there was a, a quote from the director of the World Food Program, Cindy McCain, who mm-hmm. uh, was married to uh, John McCain, oh. um, the, the uh, America's biggest uh, pacifist, uh, pacifist and humanitarian, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she it's interesting though because she said um, to explain the shortfall of uh, don't from donors, McCain said um, uh, she blamed the rush uh, the rich nations uh, to support Ukraine. She said Ukraine has sucked the oxygen out of the room, and, and that's why humanitarian aid isn't flowing. Um, and and a, a UN um, guy um, on Democracy Now! talking about uh, the DRC, uh, he also uh, blamed the lack of money going there to uh, all the money going to Ukraine. So now, you know, if they pass this money for Israel, then it's going to cut into even more into humanitarian aid to other countries. Um, what else have we got? Was there anything else in this piece or should we move on to your scientists piece? Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably about it for this piece. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So scientists, you had a a great thing where you're, um, let me just pull it up here. Yeah, scientists push back. There it is. 
Oh my goodness. Just, it's just not letting me do, oh, there it is, okay, fine. Scientists pursue climate activism despite violent threats. So this is a good story because it's, um, you know, they're facing a fair amount of, uh, I guess, what would you call it, negative energy being directed towards them. But the number of scientists that are kind of waking up and recognizing the need to really, you know, even become some kind of activist as opposed to just uh, just trying yeah. to, you know, publish their papers <laughs> uh, yeah. is good. So, yeah, why don't you talk about that? I guess that's I guess you and I are kind of like that, you know, aren't we? <laughs> Didn't yeah, we I, both start off yeah. as scientists, sort of? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but <clears throat> um. But there has been in, in the past year a real um, buildup of energy, and part of it, I think, <clears throat> has to do with the, um, you know, it, it, it kind of goes in steps. First, um, there have yeah, always been some uh, stu- superstars like James Hansen, but there have been... Uh, Catherine Hayhoe has been public for quite a while. These climate scientists who really um, have a, a public face, uh, Michael Mann, um, but they, um, uh, you know, there have been more of them here in, in recent uh, couple of years. And because things are getting so much worse and nothing's being done about climate. And, but the more they're out there, the more, um, uh, abuse they're getting online, the more death threats, uh, yeah. etc. It um uh um there were um there, there was one study finding a survey of scientists finding that a lot like I don't know like forty percent of them said that their work uh, ability to work had been affected and wow. you know, they were suffering all kinds of Consequence, as far as I know, knock knock on wood, there, there haven't been any actual um, uh, violent, you know, physical attacks on them. But uh, this has prompted. Uh, well, I think they uh, would have done it anyway because these um, standard appeals in the press. Uh, well, the scientists say we have to act now. <laughs> not, not getting anywhere, so uh, they've. Um, you know, kind of uh, come out of their laboratories and uh, have um, vocally supported um, uh, climate. They started out by vocally supporting um, uh, climate activists um, who, um, you know, have been, you know, at the COP meetings and these other things. And then they, then they um, came out with, um, you know, and, you know, publishing them in, in like in, in the journal Science or something uh, uh, about why um, scientists themselves need to join in public protests, yeah. and, and, and they've been doing a lot of that. Then, um, and, and then they endorsed uh, civil disobedience by climate activists. They're saying the time has come for that, and then they uh, published another paper. It, you know, with a lot of authors saying 
that um, climate scientists themselves need to start practicing civil disobedience and getting arrested and breaking the law um, yeah. and uh, nonviolently. And that, um, so for the past year, I don't know when they, I think they got started a little over a year ago, but not, not long ago, uh, scientist rebellion, which is kind of my, oh, I see. the same kind of activities as extinction rebellion, uh, but it's uh, really cool because they're out wearing white lab coats and so forth and <laughs> uh, practicing uh, civil I, disobedience and large. Did you, does your, did your, any of your scientific activities require a lab coat? Because none of mine did. I, I'm a, I was always a computer kind of, it was always computer stuff for me. Well, I, I was a, a plant breeder and I, all of my uh, plant breeding uh, colleagues and I, if any of us were caught wearing a, a, a lab coat, they re received all kinds of uh, derision. Uh, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, if you're a plant breeder, you're out in you know, wearing muddy boots out in the field, and you're you know, you're doing real work. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we I didn't have a. I think I had a lab coat because there was something I had to do in the lab that required it. <laughs> so hey, uh, speaking of violence and protests and climate, did you hear about um yesterday the Panama uh anti-mining protest okay so there's a panama anti-mining protest there's a copper mine operated by a canadian company sure yeah, enough, first course. quantum minerals uh so they got a a contract to open um open pit copper mine surrounded by rainforest for the next 20 years with a possibility of extended for another 20 years contaminate drinking water devastate tracts of land in exchange for yearly payments um, and so there's a huge march, a huge blockade of the road. Um, Roadblocks have shut down the country. And wow. so an American lawyer named, what's his name? See, the, they're protecting him on CNN. They're saying an elderly man, but uh, <laughs> Kenneth Darlington is his name. Elderly lawyer. And he just pulled out a pistol and shot two of them and killed them. 77 year old lawyer yeah and there's it's completely like caught on video you could see him walk up to them and shoot them yeah. so very american solution to a canadian created problem <laughs> yeah so perfect uh toxic mix uh environmental uh devastation popular protest and an american coming with a gun to kill people so, there you go. Uh, and, and, and things like that, and, um, and what has uh, occurred um, in Gaza and in mm. Western countries where uh, people have protested what's going on in Gaza, that makes a lot of what I wrote in the, the scientist article look uh, really tame. And um, you've kind of been tracking uh, yeah. of the um, the state um, uh, um, state abuse and and, yeah. and arrest and so forth of 
people who are in a very mild way speaking out in in defense of Palestine um, and or or losing their jobs. If if you could uh, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so it's interesting because in Canada, um, in Canada, so you guys had Rashida Tlaib, who I think is the only Palestinian American congressperson ever. She's also one of, I don't know, 20 some in all of American history who's been censured formally by Congress for saying whatever it is she said. I don't even think she called for a ceasefire as far as I remember the phrase from the river to the sea oh she used the phrase from the river to the sea okay so she got formally censured i mean there it's an honorable thing to be censured by the american congress though like abolitionists have been censured right one of the one of the earlier censures were was for someone who was calling for the end of slavery so you know someone said they they she should uh, dip the dip the censure motion in bronze and, and hang it up as a badge of honor. So uh, in in Ontario, they also censured a parliamentarian, a, a disabled Somali-Canadian um, parliamentarian named Sarah Jama, who is in the most left-wing party, the New Democratic Party in Ontario. And she called for a ceasefire on day one. She said, you know, this is caused the uh, Israeli apartheid. I think she may have said apartheid. Ooh, that was another one. Nobody says that word anymore. Now it's from the river to the sea. Used to be the right of return. You know, you could you would call for the right of return and that would that meant the destruction of Israel. So they've been trying that whatever they demonize whatever phrase people are using at the time. So right now it's apparently from the river to the sea. But Sarah Gemma didn't say that. Sarah Gemma said, you know, it's an apartheid system. Canada is a settler colonial country, and uh, and and I call for a ceasefire. So people, media people were like, well, then why don't you go back to Somalia? And people are like, oh, that's interesting. So uh, telling a black person to go back yeah. to Africa is is cool now. That's we've made that cool again. Great. So. Um, uh, they censured her, formal censure, which, you know, in Cong- I, I gather in the U.S. Congress, when you censure someone, it doesn't mean anything. Like, they can still mm-hmm. function. But in in, uh, in Ontario, in Canadian Parliament, if you're censured, it means you can't, like, you. it's like you're shunned. So, like, oh. if you put your hand up, the teacher won't call. So the speaker won't recognize you. Uh, you can't vote, whatever. So, I, I, and... Also, wonderfully, uh, a wonderful act of courage by our left-wing party. They expelled her from the caucus as well. So thanks a lot for that. Um, and they it's funny because I think they're calling for a ceasefire now. So it's like she basically got kicked out of the party for doing what the party did two weeks earlier. She was just two weeks early. She was a premature, <laughs> premature ceasefire call. So we've had a med student uh, and a chaplain at Western University, a med student who was suspended for comments on social media. Uh, I think they may have been problematic. I don't know the details, but I know they were suspended, maybe expelled. Uh, There's a chaplain at Western University who's a Muslim chaplain uh, who called for a ceasefire, I think, uh, also fired for that and and there's a US I mean a Canadian senator I think who was bragging about getting him fired. So they're they're sort of like very happy to get people fired. And they're kind of like 
roving social media trying to get people fired and that's like um it's like a hunting it's like a hunting ground social media is a hunting ground for for firing people um mm -hmm. there's a doctor that we know uh at mckenzie health who was um debating you know talking about the humanitarian situation in gaza and suspended and like the hospital said it's not because of his views but it was obviously because of his views um, and there's so there's sort of that's an interesting doctrine because they get the death threats against the hospital um and then they suspend the doctor who's getting threatened so nobody no you don't get in trouble for threatening somebody you get in trouble for being threatened um depending on which side of the issue it's interesting because there was a hospital in in also in ontario here where there was an anti-Semitic threat against a doctor and the hospital immediately, you know, took safety measures and uh, and protected their doctor, which is what they yeah. sh should do. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't do that for um, at McKenzie Health or presumably because of because of the side of the issue that uh, this doctor was on. Um, what about uh, people getting arrested? Uh, Oh, yeah. So uh, from the river to the sea in Calgary, um, there was a protest uh, last week. There were really, really big rallies in um, in Canada all over, well, all over the biggest one of the biggest rallies ever in Washington, D.C. Right. There were huge rallies yep. all over the world. London, England, France, uh, Germany, huge, huge protests, which was very encouraging. Um, and, and my some son of them was in uh, huge like for days, they had huge ones every day in Copenhagen. Where, wow, uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, so obviously they're going to chant from the river to the sea because it means, you know, they, they want to see an end to the apartheid system uh, in all of those territories. They don't want people arbitrarily jailed or having to use checkpoints or, you know, unable to travel or being senselessly murdered or have hospitals, bombed, whatever. So they say from the river to the sea. And that's been... Um, criminalized so uh one of the organizers in calgary alberta was arrested and is being charged with hate with hate crimes for chanting from the river to the sea so that's apparently a hate crime which is really funny in canada because they literally applauded a nazi the entire canadian government had it brought a nazi into the canadian parliament just before this all kicked off in gaza a killer, a Nazi killer from the Waffen SS, a 95-year-old veteran of the murderous Waffen SS unit in Ukraine. And the Speaker of the House said, uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name. And he said, you know, this is Yaroslav Hanka. He's a Canadian hero. He's a Ukrainian hero. He fought against the Russians in World War II. And then everybody, the Prime Minister, the right-wing party, the Conservatives, the left-wing party, the NDP, the Quebec party, the Greens, everybody got up and applauded. Standing ovation for this Nazi. Zelensky was there. Um, and now they're saying that from the river to the sea is a hate crime. So tons of credibility there. Uh, we have, um, well, we have, there's a, there's a law firm in Toronto, uh, Shake Levitt, Levitt Shake, something like this. And they are suing the union, um, the Canadian Pub Union of Public Employees, 
for, I don't know, supposedly making Jewish uh, members of the union feel unsafe because they took a pro ceasefire stance or something. Not all the Jewish members, obviously, lots of Jewish members are mm-hmm. pro-Palestine, but those Jewish yep. members don't, they're, they're expelled somehow from Jewishness uh, based on their political uh, stand. So, um, that so they're suing the union for half a million dollars uh they're trying to sue the union there's a one of the mem- one of the uh, partners of that firm he said you know if anyone fi- if you fire someone for going to one of these pro palestine rallies and they sue you i will represent you for free so i will represent anyone who wants to fire someone pro palestine pro bono uh call me and he has a little billboard uh, saying that, so um, the the one some of the media figures, uh, M- Mulroney something Mulroney and something Kinsella, these are all like in Canada we don't have like um, we don't have media figures, we have media families. So like there's multiple Frums, multiple Ks, multiple Kinsellas, multiple Mulroneys, and they're all it's like the father was of this and the son is of that. So Mulroney saw, saw a picture of the demonstration and said, deport them all to where they came from or whatever. So they're now, you know, Canadian media are calling for mass deportation. They want to deport presumably hundreds of thousands of people well, uh, back to where they came from. Probably citizens, right? <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, he, he, he also said if they're citizens, they should be charged. Uh, and if they're if they're not, they should be deported. So that's um, that's the climate in Canada. Um, uh, while they actually killed what what are we up to five thousand children, eleven thousand people, uh, no water, no fuel, no food, uh, starvation, uh, bombing hospitals. So yeah, that's cool. Canada wants to make sure nobody can speak about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Um, have you seen report? <laughs> I shouldn't. I, I guess shouldn't be asking you about my own country, but I, I'm wondering how widespread that. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, well, you probably saw what happened in Florida. Uh, Florida. Oh, Stan. <laughs> so there's a there's a legislator in Florida, Angie Nixon, state. She's in the state Congress. And she's really upset. She's black, uh, you know, which seems to be like the only people that want to ceasefire in American what? politics of seem to be black people. Yeah. <laughs> they have like a, did you see that card? There was like a picture of all the all the American Congress people that are calling for a ceasefire. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, some there's a type, there's something missing from this. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't well, find one crazy. white white legislature <laughs> one light white legislature so um so angie nixon and she's crying she's like that's the the video's crazy stan she's crying and she's just like how many dead palestinians would be enough for this body to call for a ceasefire and someone michelle salzman is her name she's a house representative too she yells all of them she yells wow all of them yeah, and then Angie can't even believe it. You probably saw the cartoon, right? The yeah editorial cartoon in the Washington Post uh, with a 
really ugly Hamas person, and then he's got an ugly wife strapped to him and ugly babies. And he says, how dare Israel attack civilians? So it's basically the human shield yeah. trope. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we're at in the U.S. Uh, um, in Australia, Australia is an interesting one. There's a burger joint owned by a Palestinian uh, Australian, I guess. And he was chanting... Uh, he was at a demonstration leading chants, so the, they took pictures of him, and they figured out who he was, and they put him in the newspaper, and they said, this is the guy, the, this is his business, this is his address, whatever. The newspapers, the Daily Mail in the UK, they, they basically doxed him. They used the media to do this, um, and somebody burned down his burger store. And it's interesting because you know how in Palestine the, the hospitals explode? It's not that Israel bombs them, it's that they explode. So so the story in the Australian paper is Caulfield Burger Store gutted by fire after owner attends pro-Palestine rally. A burger a burger store in Caulfield has just gone up in flames just days after the owner attended a pro-Palestine rally. Spontaneous combustion. Spontaneous combustion, yeah. Um, I thought that only happened in Canadian forest fires, but... Um, Spontaneous combustion. Well, now so yeah, it's there. not looking it's not looking good, Stan. It's not looking good out here. In your um, newsletter where you're discussing some of these kinds of incidents, uh, in the conclusion you say that the one thing that can be effective is uh, is massive demonstrations and having them uh, you know, escalate um, in size and so forth, uh, and then you say, of course, there, there'll be a, a lot more of these uh, attacks, but you know that's yeah, uh, that, that's the thing that's got to happen. The burden. That's the burden we have to bear. Yeah, exactly. And and um, the that is the thing. Like before the before last weekend, Berlin had already outlawed the Palestine flag. The UK had already outlawed yeah. the Palestine flag and the slogan, and people did it anyway. So. I think if we're gonna beat the repression, we have to just we have to just keep doing it. Well, I have to put in a good word for Salina, Kansas. We've had big Palestinian flag hanging on the front of our house for a couple of weeks, and no rocks through our window. <laughs> not not good, but good. Yeah, good. I mean, I've been in your neighborhood in Salina, and uh, I saw a lot of Trump flags and Make America Great Again. So there yeah. really does appear to be some kind of respect for the good old American freedom of speech over there. Uh, yeah, so far. Now, <clears throat> I, it, it did. Well, actually, I thought I, um, it worked out well uh, during the kind of lockdown time of uh, this guy who had had an American flag on his uh, front yard flagpole over in the next block uh, put up a Confederate flag in, instead. Oh. So I just, um, I got a, a board and, and <laughs> painted on it, I'm a racist, and, and just <laughs> kind of propped, propped it up and, and I didn't trespass. I put it in the kind of gutter by the, the street. And, uh, and, yeah, it came by after work, 
the sign was gone and, and the flag was gone. Oh, so, good. Okay. <laughs> so um, people can be persuaded, but but not the ex-marine up the street who has five flagpoles with all kinds of obscene oh flags on them. He's not going away. <laughs> and neither are you, damn it. That's right. Um, okay, good. So what are we doing next? Now, what are we doing next month? Do you know? Oh, yeah, it's it's already written. Well, it's because it's okay. this month. <laughs> We're mm -hmm. uh, uh, lagging behind. <clears throat> you know, this kind of grew out of uh, some of our early um, uh, talks uh, about um, yeah, the fact that um, if the um, if the uh, MAGA crowd were able to um, get power of all three branches of government. They're uh, not not going to uh, give it up without uh, who knows what. Um, and and so I was you know, I was talking about uh, you know we've we've got to win this uh, next election. Uh, and and you said. And you've got to win everyone after that because uh, <laughs> yeah. all, they, all they have to win is one. So I, I will, I'll send you this and we can talk about it next time. But I'm saying, okay, what about that? Because we're saying to to have um, uh, effective climate action and, and all of these other things, we basically have to keep that, that party uh, out of power, and in fact, I mean they are a minority, but you know we have to you know keep them completely um, out of power in both houses of Congress and in the White House, and because of uh, eliminating fossil fuels, uh, eliminating carbon emissions is it has to be a, a program that is sustained consistently for decades. And as you said. You got to keep them out of power. So then we're not a pluralistic democracy. We're a one party state. And so um, it will you know, say if we actually accomplished that, which is you know, pretty uh, wildly improbable. But if we did, could there emerge a, a second party or could the Democratic Party split into two or something that maybe you know actually uh, have a socialist party or something but at least to yeah have i think democracy. Yeah. yeah we better we better think about that because um it's now i don't think i i i'm having a very hard time imagining the democrats winning now because you're asking people to vote not just for the lesser lesser evil, but like the lesser genocider, you know, <laughs> like yeah, right. <laughs> I remember Galbraith saying, you know, faced with a fake fascist and a real fascist, voters inevitably will choose the real one. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not looking good. But yeah, we'll t we'll pick that up next month then, Stan. Stay alive. <laughs> <laughs>